Welcome to the Green Index. This is a podcast where we have candid conversations around climate change. So, in the last episode, um, it was a bit of a blame game where we looked at the history um, of the awareness of scientists um, of the greenhouse effect and we basically pointed out that back to the 18 1800s 1820s um, more specifically there has been an awareness that one the atmosphere um, the atmosphere traps heat so we have the very first scientists recognizing that um, if, if there was if the earth didn't have an atmosphere it would be cooler and then we have another scientist a few years later who is able to pinpoint like specific gases. He's able to say, okay, it's methane, it's carbon dioxide. These are gases in the atmosphere that are allowing light in, but they're trapping heat. And um, he was able to liken these gases to the panels of glass in a greenhouse. And there is where the name greenhouse effect came about. And then we have... Um, the idea that carbon dioxide, an increasing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere could potentially, um, we had one scientist identifying that at the time, the doubling of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere would cause a rise of five to six degrees Celsius in the um, Earth's temperature. But then there's a divide amongst the scientists where some are saying, um, one, the carbon dioxide um, <laughs> levels in the atmosphere would never increase, and the others are thinking that it would never double. It would never increase significantly enough to cause like such disastrous effects. And then we've, we've rolled forward to the 1950s where they're like, okay, um, it, it, it is inc- it's actually increasing. We have problems. Um, and then they're like, yes, it's increasing. We have problems. But we're not going to see the impacts of these problems for another, let's say, 40-odd years. And within a decade, they begin to have droughts. And so we have a span of scientists being aware for a period of 200 years that the greenhouse effect was a pos- well, happened and that there would potentially be adverse effects, um, harmful effects to the world as, we, as they knew it. Um, and as we know it now, if steps were not taken to monitor, or not necessarily monitor, but like limit the um, extent of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Um, so in this episode, we want to move the timeline forward and look at what are some of the things that actually started happening when they realized in the 1970s, hey, um, you know, things are bad, they're probably going to get worse. So that's what we want to look at um, in this episode. So up until the 1970s, where we start to actually see impacts of climate change, with like severe droughts starting, up until that point, um, everything climate change and environmental related was largely being discussed in scientific um, circles. And it's only as in the 1970s where it's it's very apparent now that 
this is something very very serious this is something very very severe this is something that will have um a ripple effect that will exceed or come outside of um, scientific circles like everybody else is going to be affected then we see politicians opting to get involved politicians deciding that hey um maybe we should have a part of discussion maybe we should do something and so in the 1970s um we see the un or the united nations deciding to become involved and they began to hold sessions um for various environmental issues so before that there were things that would have been more political um in nature so i guess um things around war and um and, and disagreements between nations but now we have a shift where they have to be coming together where these political leaders have to be coming together to discuss environmental issues and so we have representatives from various countries coming together discussing discussing issues and negotiating their stances and what would come about or what the outcome of these meetings would be is an an agreement um a unified i want to say because it's it was generally the, the the goal was to have an agreement that would impact the entire world um because we have all these different representatives coming in and it would be hoped or expected that when these agreements were put into place were put into action were implemented that it would address the various environmental challenges that were being faced in the various countries and so this started in the 1970s and it continued and continued and then we have a similar situation happening in 1992 where we have the United Nations Conference on Environment and Development had taking place in Rio Brazil now this particular conference stands out um in climate change discussions because this i think was the conference where things changed in relation to climate change um <laughs> so there were many many things being discussed at this um conference it was a forum for like uh, all things environmental and development related to be discussed um but like i was saying one of the most critical things that was discussed on the agenda for this conference particular conference the one in rio 1992 was climate change so this was definitely something on the agenda this was a topic that had to be discussed and it was at this particular meeting this particular conference that they agreed across the board that the problem um with climate change or causing climate change was the level of carbon emission so the amount of carbon that was being put out into the atmosphere and the solution was to reduce carbon emissions globally and it was decided um that the more developed countries who at this point were largely the villains here um loki still are big key still are um high key the big key high key high key still but they were they were like okay you guys are causing the bulk of the emissions so you have the responsibility you have the job you have the role of reducing your emissions but that was not enough they were like the people who 
are most at risk are the developing countries. And not only are they most at risk, but they do not have the resources that they would need to reduce their emissions. So big countries outside of reducing your emissions, you have the responsibility to help the smaller developing countries um, reduce their emissions as well. And so this agreement um, and uh, with other, other conditions and um, requirements were documented in a specific agreement and this agreement was titled the United Nations Framework, Framework Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC. So this is what I call or what I refer to as the grandfather of all climate change agreements because it was the very, very first one. And um, this agreement put down the groundwork or the foundation for all other efforts, all future efforts to um, reduce and limit the impacts of climate change. Um, however, while it was like a very, very good, well-intentioned agreement um, at the point in time, it was, I guess, like, you know, they used to say it was the best thing at that point in time. Um, sadly, how sadly, it, it probably at that was. <laughs> Sadly, it was just like one step in the right direction and it was not the quick fix that I guess many people saw it as being. Um, and it needed fine tuning and it needed to be adjusted and it needed to be adapted. Like, because things changed. <laughs> things got worse. Things got a lot worse. But yeah, things changed. And so as a result, the countries who signed that first agreement have met every year um, since then, since that 1992 um, conference in Rio, Brazil, in what is referred to as the Conference of Parties, or COP. And um, it's called COP and then a number, which signifies um, the number of years it has been since like the first one. So. Um, 1993, I guess, would have been COP1, and 94, COP2, and so on, and so on, and so on. Um, and so they meet every year to update the agreements, to negotiate and renegotiate um, existing agreements or work on new agreements. Um, and there's just this continued effort to reduce their own emissions, particularly for the bigger, more developing countries, as well as to help the more vulnerable developing countries um, reduce their emissions as well as adapt to climate change. And um, as they continue to meet, because they're, they're getting ready to meet again, ah, I believe very, very soon, like, if it's not this week, next week, um, well, no. It's not, <laughs> this is pre-recorded. So um, they usually meet October, November, uh, late October, mid to late October, early November every year. And um, I guess it, there's this, as particularly for me, as somebody who lives in a small developing country, I think that um, outside of my doom and gloom mentality as it relates to climate change, I think there's this inkling of hope. There's this very, very, very small amount of hope that I have that 
these ongoing conversations, these ongoing discussions, these adjustments and agreements, um, these adaptations to agreements will hopefully um, translate to better and I dare say stronger agreements. And I, I think I think I will have to do an, an, an episode where I explain what I mean by stronger agreements. Um, but it won't just be limited to agreements because agreements are just words on paper that people have signed. But that it will it will be reflected in real life action that we will see tangible results um, coming up out of these conversations that we will see change that we will see a way forward I think I think I think that's the biggest thing um, like that's that's the hope that I have to cling to that all these discussions and all these cops all these conferences and meetings will give <laughs> bring forth deliver um, a reality that justifies me having this hope that all like you know this discussion will actually um, translate to change <laughs>